The first chapter of the letter to the Hebrews will help us to see Jesus this morning. I'm going to read the entire chapter. I invite you to read with me. It's complicated, it's deep, it's mysterious, it's one of the great chapters in the Bible. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After He provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So He became as much superior to the angels as the name He has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are My Son, Today I become your father, or again I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same. And your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, we were lost. My wife and I, we were absolutely lost in the horse country of Northern Virginia. We had gone out there to visit old friends from LaGrave who moved out there, Tim and Jessica Seapoles, used to sit right back there. Uh, they moved out there because he was uh, given the job of CEO and executive director of the Meadowkirk Christian Retreat and Conference Center. Big deal, wonderful place, we had a great time with them. Then it was time to go home. We took out our phones and got Google Maps on so we could find our way home. And we got started out well. We, we turned left at Lime Kiln Road and then got on Snickersville Pike and then Sam Fred and finally made it to US 50 in Middleburg, Virginia. And that's where we got lost. Uh, we were looking for, the map said, we were looking for uh, State Road 713. So we went up and down US 50 looking for 713 and couldn't find it. So we went back to a gas station we saw and pulled in one of these ramshackle country places, you know, and, and asked the, uh, the cashier, where, where do we find State Road 713? And she said, what's the name of the road? I'm going to try to imitate the way those people talk. And I said, don't know the name. All I know is it's 713. The mechanic walked in. He said, what y'all looking for? 
We're looking for 713. I don't know what that is. And then behind me, I heard a loud voice say, what y'all looking for? I turned around, and there was a black man standing there, ragged clothes, a scruffy gray beard, bloodshot eyes. He said, what y'all looking for? He said, we're looking for State Road 713. He said, what's the name of the road? I said, I don't know. And then he said, where are you all trying to go? I said, well, we're trying to go to Interstate 66. He said, well, then you all go down here, and you take a right, and you go four blocks, and you get on to Plains Road, and you follow it, and that'll take you to Interstate 66. So we did. We found the Plains Road. We took it. We took it 20 miles over hill and over dale until it ran smack dab into a road with no name. And we were lost again. Where do we go? There was a gas station there, so I got out, and as I turned to go, there was a horn blaring behind us, just blaring. And I heard a familiar loud voice saying, I told y'all this is the way to go. And I turned around, and there was that black man. He had followed us for 20 miles in his beat-up Volkswagen Golf. And he said, y'all go down there, four blocks, and you turn left, and you go a mile, and you'll find I-66. And we did. And we got on I-66, and I turned to my wife, and I said, Sharon, that was an angel back there giving us directions so we could get home. And the minute I said that, the, the, verses, the words of, of Hebrews 13, verse 2 came to mind, the old version do not neglect to, to show hospitality to strangers because thereby some have shown hospitality to angels unawares. Many of you know the text. And I no, no sooner thought of that than I remembered the story of Abraham and Sarah and those three strangers who approached and they were angels unawares and they told Abraham and Sarah they were finally going to have that son that was promised and that son would be the first of many and Israel would come out of him and Jesus would come out of Israel. The Holy Spirit was working that day in the horse country of North Virginia, I tell you. And as I pondered my black angel, I wondered how many of us have entertained angels unawares. Or in reverse, how many of us have backed away because the angel didn't look like us. I don't want to go there because the Holy Spirit led me somewhere else. The Holy Spirit led me to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 12. It says, angels are ministering spirits to help those who are inheriting salvation. And I thought of, oh, my mind just went wild with all the stories of angels helping saints in the Bible, you know. There was Abraham, of course. And then his grandson, Jacob, running for his life because of what he did to his brother and his father. He was all alone and scared to death, and all of a sudden he saw that ladder, you know, with angels going up and down on it. And he gasped the The Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I wonder how many of us have had that feeling. We've entertained an angel, and all of a sudden, we were in the presence of God. 
Another story, you remember the story of Elisha in the town of Dothan, running from the hordes of the Arameans because he kept ruining their plans. And Elisha's servant got up that morning, walked out on the balcony, stretched and opened his eyes and saw the hills covered with the armies of the Arameans. And he said, oh, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, well, first of all, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And the Lord opened the eyes of that servant and he looked up and the hills surrounding Dothan were filled with horses and chariots of fire. The flaming hosts of the Lord's army. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I could go on and on with these kind of stories, but I'll, I'll end with, well, not the end, just the end of that part. The story of Isaiah in Isaiah 6, God had called him to be his messenger to wayward Israel, and Isaiah wasn't feeling it. He was feeling inadequate. And then he had that vision of God in the temple, and those seraphs, those six-winged angels surrounding the Lord of hosts, and when the angels began to shout, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the earth is full of His glory, Isaiah melted in a puddle of panic. Woe is me, I am undone, he said. I am a man of unclean lips. And one of the seraphs reached into the altar and took a live coal and put it to Isaiah's lips. And when God said, who will go for us, whom shall I send? Isaiah said, here am I, send me, send me. The words of Isaiah hung in the air of Israel for 800 years, lived in the hearts of God's people for that long, and then one day, well, you know the story, God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. And like Isaiah, she was terrified. And the angel said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You are going to give birth to a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. Nine months later, she did in that stable. While overhead, the heavenly host sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. Angels from the realms of glory Wing your flights o'er all the earth. We don't hear much about angels after that. For 30 years, they might have been there, but no one was aware. Until Jesus decided it was time to go public. And he began that public ministry by doing battle with the devil. You remember the story. Forty days of wrestling with the evil one, being tempted with the biggest temptations in the world, and Jesus won, and when he was done, he was exhausted, hadn't eaten. He was weary, and says Matthew 4, verse 11, angels came and ministered to him. Now, we don't hear about angels anymore during his life, but I suspect they were there. The disciples were unaware. But when Jesus was arrested and about to be hauled off to die in the Garden of Gethsemane, you, you remember that, 
Peter hauled out his sword and he whacked off the ear of the high priest's servant and Jesus said, put your sword back. Don't you know that if I wanted to, I could ask my father and he would send 12 legions of angels. That's 60,000, by the way. But he didn't ask because, of course, he came to die. And after he died, he arose and the angel explained what that was all about. And, and the angels will come back with him when he comes. And right now, he's on that throne surrounded by untold numbers of angels and people whom we have known who've died and they're standing around just praising Jesus because, of course, it's all about Him. Not angels, but Him. That's the point of the, of the whole letter to the Hebrews. The whole thing is about whatever religion you think is good, Jesus is better. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is the one. And it starts by comparing Jesus to angels. Now, not the first three verses. The first three verses are, are like a magnificent hymn of praise from the ancient church. I mean, the writer just piles up unfathomable expressions of, of who Jesus is. And, well, he says Jesus was appointed heir of all things, which means that every single thing in the universe belongs to Jesus. He owns everything. And it says he, well, through him, God made the universe. <laughs> I've been thinking about light years lately. I don't know. I've been reading stuff. Think about how vast the universe is. Millions of light years. It's so vast we can't even think about it. And says Hebrews, through Jesus, God made it all. And Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of God's being. We don't know what God is like unless we look at Jesus. Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. I, I read that over and over. I, I thought about that Greek myth, Roman myth, Atlas that holds the world on his shoulders. <laughs> Hebrews says Jesus upholds the universe with his word. That's all it takes for Jesus, just his word. He holds up everything. He's made purifications for every sin that's ever been committed. And now he's sitting at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I can't take that in. I don't know about you, but I can't begin to wrap my mind about that, around that. And I think maybe that's why the writer of Hebrews starts to talk about angels. Angels. Whom we find so fascinating. In fact, Christians have always been so fascinated and, and interested in angels that the Apostle Paul had to write to the Colossians in chapter 2, now, now, do not let people who delight in the worship of angels lead you astray, because there are people that do that. Angels are cool. Remember, Paul says in that chapter, Christ is the head. Christ is the fullness of God. It's from Christ that you receive fullness of life. 
angels are cool, they're helpful, they're awesome, thank God for them. But says Hebrews 1 verse 4, Christ is so superior to them, well, there's no comparison. Because he's God's only son. They are simply beings that minister to us. They're there to take care of us on Jesus' behalf. I love the way the writer says, he makes his angels wind and fire. Then he says, your throne, O God, lasts forever. You think angels are something. Your righteousness will be the scepter that rules everything. You made the whole world. It's all going to end. You're never going to end, Jesus, because you've conquered your enemies. You've saved your people. Yes, angels are ministering spirits who show up from time to time. But Jesus is God who is with us always as our Savior and Lord. Now, back in Virginia, I was so struck by the, the possibility that an angel had directed us back home that I didn't get over it for a long time. But I should be more struck by the presence of Jesus all the time. I am with you always, he said, to the end of the age, to the end of whatever road you're on. I am with you, even when you're not aware when we're lost, he says, I am the way. When we're confused, he says, I am the truth. When we're sick of life, he says, I am the life. When we're hungry and thirsty, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light, the living water. We walk in the darkness, he says, I'm the light of the world. When we feel like we're on the outside looking in, everybody else is in there, we're out there. Jesus says, I am the gate. If you enter through me, you will be saved. And we're feeling like life is fruitless, not worth it, he says. I am the true vine. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And when we finally face death, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall live even though they die, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then you know what he said next in that passage? He says, do you believe this? Do you really believe this? All this stuff about me, do you believe this? The way little Theo did back when he was five years old? I told you about the experience I had with the black man at the beginning of the sermon. Thought he was an angel. And then I thought about it more and I said, could it be that that was really Jesus? That sounds a little almost blasphemous, but Matthew 25 says, in as much as you do it, you know the next words, to the least of these you do it to me. Was that black man, Jesus, in dirty clothes, driving an old Volkswagen? Theo would probably say yes. Theo was the youngest child of Tim and Jessica Seepoles that I talked about at the beginning. 
Thea was five years old when that accident happened. Jessica was driving the car with Grace, their daughter, through the intersection of Spalding and Cascade. You know where that is. It's a busy, busy intersection. Tim and the two boys, Ransom and Theo, were behind her. She was going through the intersection, and a car driven by a drunk woman hit them right smack broadside, T-boned them, and Tim and his boys thought they were dead. But they weren't. They were badly injured, injuries that affect their lives even today. When it was all done, everything was settled, Theo said to his mom and his dad and anybody that would listen, I saw Jesus in the car, Mommy. I saw Jesus, and that's why Mommy and Grace didn't die. Sometimes it takes the faith of a five-year-old to see Jesus, who's always there. We're just not aware. Now, where am I going with all this? Why did I decide to preach on this? Well, because it's the beginning of a new year. We're just seven days in, and we don't know what lies ahead. It might be narrow, twisty roads that'll make us feel lost. We might have to navigate dangerous intersection where an accident is waiting to happen. We might cruise unimpeded and smiling as we listen to our stereo down the interstate. We don't know where we're going, no matter no matter how hard we try to be ready, maybe we'll meet angels in disguise. Maybe. But I will guarantee you that Jesus will always be there with all the love and power in the universe, even if we aren't aware. You might see him like Theo did. Or you might just have to walk by faith. Amen. Jesus, we praise you for coming, for suffering and dying and rising and leaving again with the promise that though you left, you're still here. Jesus, we praise you that even though we're often unaware, you're always aware of each step, of each person's journey. We praise you for that, Lord Jesus, and we ask that you'll give us the faith to believe it even when everything says Jesus is dead and gone. We know you're not. Holy Spirit, use these words of Hebrews to strengthen our faith in the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In your name we pray. Amen.